Outlet Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. You are listening to The Profile on Premier Christian Radio with me, Ruth Jackson. The Profile is brought to you by Premier Christianity magazine and you can get yourself a free copy of the magazine by heading to premierchristianity.com. On today's show, we've actually got two guests for you. Later, we'll be hearing from award-winning rapper Faith Child. But first, here's an interview that I recorded with television presenter Gemma Hunt during lockdown. I am here with presenter Gemma Hunt, who's done all sorts of things, but probably most famously, CBB's Swashbuckle. Hi, Gemma. Hello. You were born on the 1st of April, is that right? That is right. I am an official April Fool. I was born before midday as well, so that makes That's me amazing. a fool. <laughs> so I'm going to have to ask, what is the best April Fool's prank you've ever played on someone? Oh, that I've played? Mm. Do you know what? I don't tend to play them because it's my birthday. Day. Yeah, of course. You're too busy celebrating. Yeah, yeah opening <laughs> presents and things. And I don't think that I've ever actually had a prank played on me either. Wow, too That's respectful nice. of your birthday. Yeah. Yeah. You get to like the ripe old age of 38 and never have a prank played on me. <laughs> okay, in which case, a kind of related question. If you had to gunge one of the swashbuckle team, who would it be and why? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, all the team gets gunged apart from me. Yeah. <laughs> How did you escape so, that? Because I'm a good pirate, and so therefore I don't get gunged. So I'm the goodie. I'd probably gunge maybe some of the camera guys. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Just to get them back, that would be quite fun. Yeah. Or maybe some of the producers or directors or something, because they're all up in the gallery keeping nice and clean and where it's much quieter than where it is on the studio floor with all their children. So maybe I'd gunge some of them, actually. Gemma, what was your experience of God as a child? Well, my parents separated when I was four, and it was always my mum who brought me up to go to church. And so church for me was very dull as a kid because I it was a Baptist church lovely lovely people nice building good community but I wasn't really engaged with it it felt very distant and then we started having uh youth leaders who came in and did a bit more with us and there were probably about five or six in the kind of kids church at the time and I was a bit of a rebel. <laughs> Surely not, not the good pirate. No, I was that kid in the Sunday school that was always being told to sit down, come on, get involved, stop being silly. That was me. And I think because my parents weren't together and I was just sort of probably just playing up a bit because I could do because it wasn't my mum. <laughs> so, so in a way, my first experience of church was, it was a place where I felt very safe just to be myself and let my hair down and be a bit silly and know that I could get away with things. But then equally, there was one Sunday school teacher who was very strict. And so I was made sure that I behaved when I was in her class. There's always one, isn't there? There's always yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so how did that then develop into, I mean, you've obviously now got a living, breathing relationship with God. What was the kind of development of your faith journey? Well, it's because, again, one of these youth leaders then suggested later on that we go to a summer camp which was a Christian summer camp called Hill House down in Bridgewater. And I then met loads of other children who were my age who went to church and had lots of other experiences of church. And it became very real then to me and seeing other people worshipping and praying and reading the Bible in ways that I got 
made me think, ah, it's not just sitting in a pew and listening to somebody mm -hmm. playing the old plinky plonk piano and, and, and reading out prayers that I don't understand. This is real. And this Jesus guy did a lot for me. I mean, watched a, a video of, it probably was a video then, a video <laughs> of um, the, the resurrection or the death of Jesus and then the resurrection. And I was just so taken aback that this Jesus would do that for me even with all of my naughty streak and my slightly rebellious side, he did that for me. And that then at the age of about 11, I think it was, it was like a light bulb moment. And I came back from that, that camp and said to my mum, mum, I've become a Christian. And she said, oh, I wonder how long that'll last. To which so I was like, faith. you know what? I'm <laughs> going to show you this is wow. real. <laughs> so yeah I think maybe that was kind of the, the gentle nudge that I needed yeah. to make sure that I was serious about this new step of faith and it hasn't failed me and I haven't let my mom down either so win -win. well yeah you've shown her <laughs> we'll we'll come back to children's because you do quite a lot of kind of children's work at things like spring harvest so we'll come back to that in a minute but I just want to talk if you don't mind about presenting you're obviously done lots of different things but I suppose most famous for swashbuckle how did you get into presenting so I was at university and I got to the university off the back of an interesting conversation with a careers advisor where I said I wanted to work in children's tv and they mm. said well you need to get a proper job <laughs> and I was like, no I really feel like that's what I want to do and also because when I was 16 I went to Soul Survivor and I had a prophetic word that somebody gave me was that I would be salt and light in the dark place of the media so I knew that I had to get into it so I was kind of like, do you know what, career advisor, thank you, <laughs> but I'm going to trust that God's got bigger things for me. So then I applied to the University of Luton, which is now the University of Bedfordshire in Luton. And um, I did a media performance degree. And it's whilst I was there that I, in my third year, met an agent who came in to give a a chat about how to put together a showreel and at the time I did have some VHS footage of myself um, <laughs> that I got from a program that I did on MTV it was a little bit like an early x-factor search but it was on MTV to find a new presenter did that in my first year of uni and so I had this VHS and I showed it to this agent she was like well it's not great but it's something <laughs> But thankfully, that was my first year of uni that I filmed that. And then my third year of uni, I've kind of obviously had a lot more chance to hone the skills and practice and things. So then she said, well, why don't you try and get a meeting with my friends at the BBC? So I did. And they liked me. So we'll come for an audition. So then I went, I skived off uni for a day and went down to London and had an audition at CBBC. And as I was leaving and then said, oh, thanks very much. Great to see you. We'll be in touch. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll be in touch. Mm. They said that to everyone. <laughs> but I was really hopeful because in that audition, I had to talk for one minute to camera. And I chose to talk about my experience at the kids' church summer camp. Oh, and wow. so like, that was me sort of just putting Jesus right at the forefront of my, what then became my career. Saying, this is who I am. This is where I'm from. So anyway, I then, a couple of hours later, get a phone call from my agent and she was like, uh, are you sitting down? I said, oh, I'm standing. I'll <laughs> just lean on the wall here. And she said, um, they want to offer you a six-month contract. And I was like, I'm still at uni. They said, it's fine. Finish your degree, take a couple of weeks holiday and then start. So I did. And I started on Independence Day 2003. And what have some of the, I mean, this is going to be really hard to whittle down, but what have been some of the highs and the lows of your career so far? 
some of the highs interviewing Sir David Attenborough at the Royal Albert Hall for the BBC proms, for the Blue Peter proms that I presented. That was awesome. Getting to go to Buckingham Palace to celebrate the Queen's 80th birthday and present live from her back garden and, and see her walk <laughs> past our little studio. But then, with all respect, I was probably more excited to see the corgis that came later. <laughs> that was really cool. That was a real high. Um, some of the lows were that I made some bad relationship choices whilst I was working in television and I dated someone who didn't love the Lord and it definitely took me off my path that the Lord had for me in terms of my faith and and it affected me physically in that I was then I lost a lot of my appetite and I felt very anxious a lot of the time when I was then performing, which meant that my body physically changed. I lost loads of weight. I got horrendous acne, but I, I was still working in telly. So I had to really battle through that. So it had to do a lot with my self-worth and body image and came out of telly actually after that relationship because it really did just beat me down for some time. And that was a tough journey. And then I went back to my mum's and to my lovely little home Baptist church and they loved me for a good couple of years and then I got the courage to go back to London got another little job working in this beautiful um, children's toy and bookshop where I ran storytelling workshops and it was within that time that I was then asked if I wanted to do panto again and I was like okay I've done it a few years before yeah okay I'll go do panto did panto in Bromley and met this guy who played the piano and found out was a Christian and he was single in his 30s so I got my claws into him and then we got married oh, so, yeah God was really kind yeah so that was yeah pretty awesome time so those it's been it's been a roller coaster mm. and it's still a journey now it's still definitely not where I thought it would be but it's it's not where it could be either so I feel very blessed that I still get lots of opportunities to do fun things and very different things my life is so varied I always say how it's like pick a mix my life <laughs> in what I do like when you go to the cinema and you put your hand in you might get a fizzy cola bottle one day and then you get like your fried egg the next day I said that is totally like my life one day I might be here at home doing the laundry hanging the washing out and like yes I've got a good dry day to hang the washing out and then the next day I'm recording for songs of praise and then the next day after that I'm doing some voiceovers for CBeebies and then I'm back doing, doing the, the supermarket shop and trying to find the what I call the whoops labels when I get all the reduced food so you know it's not the, it's not the glitz and glamour that everyone thinks it is is it really isn't but like that's cool and that's that's reality when I was working in children's television, one of the things that people would always ask me, so I was very much behind the camera, but they would always ask me, why are you not making explicitly Christian content for children that talks very much about, uh, about God? I'd love to know how you would answer that question. Because obviously you do Christian things, you've worked on the alpha videos and things like that, but you also do secular, in inverted commas, children's television. So what, what would you say to that? I think it's really difficult because it's so, for me, it's very personal, a faith. And to try and explain it to children, you need to go into quite a lot of backstory and detail and, and you want to get it theologically correct as well so that you're giving them the bigger picture to make their own choices, their own decisions. But then there are programmes that I have worked on that have, I think, nailed it. There's a show on CBeebies called Treasure Champs and it's a faith-based show and it does look at... Which you are, you are one of the presenters, let's just put that out on the table as well. well I'm, yeah, I'm one of the storytellers actually, which is a little bit different to presenting, which is so lovely because I love stories and obviously Jesus spoke so much in stories and so that for me was 
like a double whammy the fact that I get to tell stories like Jesus did but equally get to tell Jesus stories biblical stories too which was just such a delight and doing it in a way that is palatable to children and looking at the the ethics and the morals and and the good the goodness behind those stories and trying to pull that out and encourage that into day-to-day life because regardless of what people believe the teachings of Jesus and the morals of Jesus are universal and they are just good for human beings in general and so regardless of faith I think it's really important that we, we hear these stories and so be able to do that particular show was such a blessing and the first time for me really where I've been able to openly talk about something that is an integral part of who I am so that was exciting. You mentioned storytelling there. That's obviously such a great way of sharing our faith with children. How do you think we get better at telling stories with our children? It's through practice and it's just by not being afraid to be a little bit silly in front of them. I think sometimes as adults, we feel we have to let go of that childlikeness because we're adults. We've got to do adulting and do it well. But actually, <laughs> to be a to be childlike is what Jesus also says to, to be childlike in our faith. And so to put on the silly voices when you're telling the stories and actually to bring something <laughs> to life like that is really fun. And just to pull silly faces. And if you don't know what your face can do, then have a vain moment whilst brushing your teeth, <laughs> looking in the mirror and just pull some really funny faces <laughs> at yourself to see how you can contort your face because that then brings the child in to the story that you're telling them. And it could be that you're reading a book and you're not confident about it. So have a flick through before you actually read it to the child or tell them a story about something that's happened to you because that's your story, your testimony, your story is yours and no one can dispute that. So if you've got something funny that happened to you as a child or even as an adult that you think a kid might appreciate, then bring it to life, animate it, embellish it a little bit, you know, have a bit of poetic license over what really (laughs) happened. Just kind of make it a bit more fun so that they can really appreciate it and, and understand it. And eye contact is so important too, which is hard when you're reading to somebody, but it could be that you just put the book down for a minute and just eyeball them and just say a few lines into their, into their eyes. And, and then they'll, the child will then feel that you are speaking to them, not just at them. So that's, I think, an important way to try and incorporate storytelling into, into a really special time with a child. Gemma, you're involved in lots of children's work at big festivals like Spring Harvest and, and things like that. I suppose you come into contact with Christian children, but I would imagine there's also quite a lot of children who perhaps don't have the reference points for God that some Christian children would have. How do we reach those children who don't really know anything about God with the gospel? By loving them. God is love. And therefore, if you are loving a child in whatever way that, that can happen, then you're showing them God's love and it's just by being real with them as well kids see past the mask that we as adults put on and also they they notice things and they say things that the adults probably wouldn't be brave to say to you I remember once with through my acne time I was actually helping out with the Sunday school at my church in London and I remember one of the kids saying to me you're really spotty oh. Oh, do you know yeah I am but sometimes my skin does get a bit like this when I don't eat very well I don't look after myself so what have we learned here <laughs> and trying to bring something positive out of it and not seeing it as a judgment but just loving their honesty and then therefore respecting them by being honest with them too and I think often 
we are quite tempted to patronize children to talk down to them because they're much younger and smaller than us but i just view children as being an adult in a smaller body that deserves the same respect as one of my peers so i try and talk to them in the same way and it's it's and it's lovely to have that then relationship with a child it's it's fun it's fun for both of you and and some people say oh, i'm not i'm not very good with kids well just remember that you were one once <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> You've got a three-year-old. Are you quite intentional about doing faith at home or is it just a kind of natural way that you and your husband live your life and sort of hope that it will rub off on her? We, we definitely are intentional about talking about our faith and listening to worship music and saying prayers in the morning and at bedtime and at mealtimes and encouraging everybody to participate in that. And it's funny how sometimes it might be quite difficult to to keep those traditions going when you have guests come around for dinner mm. but actually when it becomes such a routine it's not often us that says we haven't said grace I'm like oh okay over to you then yeah. <laughs> and so that's amazing how it becomes just a part of your life and I think that when you practice something more and more it becomes part of who you are therefore you don't feel like you have to force it it just happens very naturally so that's kind of how it works for us not for everybody but that does seem to work all right for us and did you find, because you're kind of, I guess, a professional children's expert in that you present children's television, did that then mean that parenting was super easy for you? Um, no, because it's not super <laughs> easy. <laughs> I think that it's definitely helped because I nannied for two families. Whilst I was working at CBBC, I was nannying for a couple of families because I was working part time and needed to keep the cash flowing. And there were two families from church that I nannied for. And I would see those as actually my most invaluable parenting training years, being trusted with somebody else's children. Because with your own children, you can kind of, they fall over and you're like, oh, you're all right, you're fine, get up. <laughs> but with somebody else's child, you're like, oh my goodness, I can't take you that broken. I need to make sure that you're okay. <laughs> and so therefore, you, you have a very different relationship. And I think I learned so much through those years, nannying for these two amazing families. And the mothers and the fathers taught me so much about love and forgiveness and patience and discipline and just small things like what to feed children and how best to prepare it in a way that they're going to enjoy it. And there's one thing that I absolutely loved that I saw one of the dads doing one time. They had three boys and they had a boys, one of the boys' friends came out to play and the dad came in from work and he always came in and kissed his boys on the head just like to greet them hello but he also kissed the head of the child who was coming to play and I just thought wow but yes and why wouldn't you because this child is in your house and therefore you're the father here and you're loving all the kids not showing any preference and that really struck me I thought that's amazing so that's something that I try and and encourage now with with our friends that come around with their children and I love them as if they were my own because they're in my home so that's something that I really like to do and just saw as being pretty awesome what are some of the highs and the lows of being a Christian in the media because I suppose in some senses children's television is perhaps different from working at a tabloid newspaper or something like that but it's clearly not without its difficulties no, and that's probably the same as any sphere of workplace, whether I was working in a supermarket or working in education or working in healthcare, there are always struggles. Um, I think that we are very fortunate in children's in the fact that 
there is such a beautiful community around the whole CBBC, CBBS bubble. We feel so blessed that we've got a real family vibe going on. And we all genuinely love each other and get on with each other. But I love the little CBBS WhatsApp group that I've got with all the presenters because every now and again, people start pinging the text and we have a good old chat and it's lovely. And there are times when we have conversations and somebody's like, oh, um, would you sort of like maybe have a word for me, Gemma? Like, I will totally pray for you about this situation. <laughs> and, and that's great. And then, oh, you know, I don't really do that. But, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that you will. Or if the other way around, if something's happening, happening in their lives and I'll say, oh, you know, I'll be praying about that. And then, oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, put out some good vibes for me. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pray, definitely. And then it's nice to touch base with them later. And so I think that probably has come mainly from my own confidence in my faith over the years and it isn't always easy is it to share your faith openly with people but I've just got to a point now I'm like well this is who I am this is what I believe you know this about me now so therefore it feels like it's a much safer place to be able to talk to you about it and say those kind of things without it opening up a big debate and if it does open up a big debate then great then we'll lovingly have a good old chat about it too so there are times when it is a lot easier than others um, there are sometimes when it's been hard there may be a compromises like when I was working on CBBC and I had to dress up for Halloween and I was like this isn't what I celebrate I'm not about darkness but I just checked my spirit I was like Lord you know who I am and I'm still going to let this light shine out of me as you have said that I'm here to do so I felt that I was okay with that other people might not have been okay with putting a witch's hat on and talking you know but it was in the moment it felt like it was an okay decision for me and my spirit felt good about it but so yeah there are sometimes compromises that you have to make um but I just feel that in the moment God is the only one that judges me and if other people misread it then they need to take that up with him not me (laughs) (laughs) Um, changing complete tact you are part of the alpha video series how did that come about and did that feel really different from children's television Yes, completely different. And in fact, I ignored the call from them quite a few times (laughs) before I answered it. And I was actually working with a a colleague um, who I think you know as well, John Hancock, who works for um, CBBS. So I was working with a colleague on a show and he got a phone call from the guys at Alpha saying, we're trying to get hold of Gemma. I believe you're working with her at the minute. Um, Could you put in a word? And I remember he came down to me in our lunch break and he's like, Gemma, these guys from Alpha are trying to contact you. I think it's pretty important. You really should return the call. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so then I did. And I went for an, an interview slash audition where I had to talk to camera alongside Toby Flint, who was one of the curates at HTV. And they were looking to refilm all the Alpha film stuff. And it was kind of an interesting time because they kept saying to me, um, great, Gemma, what you're doing is great. Toby, can you just be more like Gemma in how she oh, talks wow. to camera? And I'm like, this is so weird. I thought it was my audition. I feel like you were auditioning and training up him. Anyway, I think we were a good team because I had the experience in television presenting. He had the experience in sharing the gospel. And so the two of us together, taking on the script that was Nikki Gumbel's original script and making it our own, but keeping the content, worked really well. So then we got commissioned to travel around the world to film for the new Alpha film series. They wanted to reimagine the whole thing and try and target it at a very different audience. And we filmed for the best part of a year on and off 
traveling around the world to Hong Kong, to Israel, to New York, in France, London, and Vancouver. It was, it was just, it was stunning. It was a great opportunity for me to do and definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone. But I knew that it was more about other people and what they were going to get out of it than it was about me. So I had to just kind of, all right, Lord, I'm going to just be obedient and you obviously want me here because there's been a lot of people that have been nudging me to get to this point and you be glorified and people find out about you. So that's a win for me. So I will stop being so proud <laughs> and, and do it. And I, and I think as well, because I had that prophetic word about being salt and light in the dark place of the media, I was a bit like, why do you want me to do this? This isn't necessarily what you called me to do. This is being light in an already light place, isn't it? Surely. But actually it was more about being light in a place where there was darkness in people's lives and, and bringing light into that. So I just had to sort of think outside the prophetic box and, and, allow, <laughs> and allow God to do through me what he intended. And it's been such an incredible experience. And the stories that I hear, people that experiencing Jesus for the first time or again, and it's stunning. So I'm very honoured to have been a part of that. Is there anything that you as a family have learnt about God in lockdown? That it's good to rest. <laughs> and I think that scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. And even in the beginning of lockdown, where we, we were so bombarded with things to do and things to do online and, and Zoom meetings to have and FaceTime calls to have. It was just lovely. But then like, we are just on devices all the time. We don't <laughs> have any time to just rest and be still. And so we would often just take time out and go for a walk around our village and appreciate where we live, which I think a lot of us have done and sit in the garden, which we're fortunate to have and just listen to the birds singing and watch the clouds go by and just have some rest time. Our lives are normally so busy and my husband and I have, often have to just sit down and, and sync our diaries. Like what's happening this week? What's happening next week? And so just have blank diaries and it's and not feel any pressure to fill it has been lovely and just taking time out being not being so tired because of all the rushing around that we can actually get up earlier in the morning and have some really purposeful intentional quiet time before the world wakes up around us <laughs> and so that's been really good just to have some good rest time if you could go back to 10 year old Gemma Hunt knowing everything that you've kind of learned along the way is there anything that you would say to yourself I think that it would be probably to preempt the concerns and issues that I've had with my self-worth over the years and so I would tell her that you're enough just as you are you're enough you don't have to keep trying and striving and worrying about what other people think of you you're enough you are listening to The Profile on Premier Christian Radio in association with Premier Christianity magazine. Don't forget, you can get yourself a free copy of the mag by heading to premierchristianity.com. Up next, we hear from award-winning rapper Faith Child. Do you want to stay informed on the best of what's happening in the UK church today? Premier Christianity magazine is for you. The UK's leading Christian magazine is published every month and features interviews with Christian leaders, in-depth reporting, reviews, columnists and loads more. And best of all, you can try it for free. Head to our website now to request the latest edition worth £5.95, completely free of charge. Visit premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. The Profile You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Where faith comes to 
You're listening to Profile here on Premier Christian Radio with me, Simon Tuck, uh, talking to award-winning British rapper and MOBO award-winning artist, Faith Child. That, was that the biggest thing over the last number of years of your life that you would say is a standout thing, the MOBO thing? Or is that, is that just is that not as important to you as it is to us to know that you've got it? You know what? I think um, I had my first nomination in 2010. And I didn't win it. And then I got my second nomination in 2015, which I did win. So I feel like that kind of five-year window was kind of like, well, I'm still living life. I'm still getting multiple bookings, et cetera. So I I realized that I didn't need it. So when it kind of came, I was like, great, got the picture, got the award. Now what next? You know, so it's something I do appreciate. Um, And definitely was... um, a significant moment in my career but I think there's definitely more things that have transpired um, I feel like people being impacted by my music I guess is um, the most important thing but is that but having that mobile looks great on the CV and looks great on the shelf so uh, yeah it's definitely a great thing. So has winning been important to you throughout your life or are you someone like you just said then who says that's really good but I'm not that's not the thing? You know what I'm um, I don't know which human being doesn't like winning, <laughs> you know? So yeah, um, I think, yeah, winning is very, well, being successful at whatever I do, rather, I'll, I'll use that word. Being successful at whatever I do is the most important thing in life. And one thing I've learned is that people deem success differently. So for example, somebody's plan in life might just to be released, might be to release just one single, just one song. But someone's goal might be to have a 20, 30, 40 year span in the music industry. And then we were now as punters say, oh, he's more successful than that particular person. However, they had different goals in life. So yeah, I think me achieving whatever goal I set out to is definitely what I deem as success. And that's what I deem as winning. So for sure, yeah, um, being able to tick off something on my list and be able to get good results from it is definitely what I deem as winning. So yeah, winning is my thing, man what's your goals next what's what are you heading towards so right now um i would love to get a sync deal a publishing deal to so get like my music in like television adverts movies films um finish off this next album i'm working on um produce a short film get back into acting start up a couple of charities and get married <laughs> so those are like uh, i think i gave you six points there so that's what is on the agenda at the moment and um, trying to do that in a pandemic, it's not quite the easiest of things to do, but we're getting there. We're getting there. But New Era seems like the ideal song to release right now in the middle of a pandemic. It, it truly does, because essentially does call for a new era. We need a new era and we need a new season. And the funny thing about that song is that I've had that song on my laptop for a while. And there were so many obstacles with releasing it. Um, that I can't even begin to name, but it's been the most successful one on Spotify and other streaming platforms. It just hit like 100,000 um, streams on there without any PR, no promotion, nothing. And I think like when God has his hand in something, and, um, and I'm not saying that if God has his hand in something, it will get a million streams. I'm not saying that, but I guess when God um, ordains for something to be released in a particular season, he allows it to go forth and do what it needs to do. So I'm truly thankful and grateful for that. I'm just super, super excited about being able to release music again. 
you know that's the most that's what i'm most excited about because um many creatives work tirelessly behind the scenes but we don't see the output as fast as we as fast as we see the input as fast as we do the input rather so being able to release music again is such a brilliant and phenomenal phenomenal feeling you talked about your having God having a hand on things, whether it's successful or not, but God has definitely had his hand on your life, right? Yeah, he surely has. Um, and for listeners who might be new to me, um, I have a very interesting birth story, um, in which when my mum was pregnant with me, she went to abort me in a clinic. And um, as she was there, God spoke to her audibly for the first time and said, don't abort the baby. And she was obviously stunned hearing God's voice. And um, she said, I'm a single mum, poverty, domestic violence, um, four children, how can I cope? And God said, believe, have faith in me, and I will show myself to be God. So I was a faith child, so to say. And from the beginning of my birth to now, I have truly seen God's hand upon my life. And I'm truly grateful. And, um, and I don't say that from a place of my life has been rosy, but I've said it, I say it from a place of, uh, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. So even going through difficult situations, God has allowed himself um, to be revealed to me and for me to see him as current and active in my life. So whenever I go through hardship or fear or struggles or problems, I always have a point of reference or an anchor that I can hold on to. And that is God. What would you say then in, in the last number of years has been that defi- a defining moment of when faith was real for you? April 23rd, I lost my father to coronavirus, you know, and um, I've never lost anyone as immediate to me. So it was just such a weird feeling. Um, um, he was on life support or, yeah, life support. Or, yeah, it was life support for five weeks. And when you hear the reports in the news, People are coming out in 11 days, 10 days, 14 days. So it's like, okay, I'm going to get a phone call that dad's awake now. Who's under sedation? I'm going to get a phone call that dad's awake now. And five weeks transpired in the past. And it was difficult. I was like, this is a very weird feeling. However, um, God allowed, God used his people. God used creation to comfort me. God used his word to comfort me. And the thing is that quite often when people pray to God, for an answer, um, he doesn't tend to respond in the way we expect him to, or rather he doesn't always respond in the way we expect him to. Um, But God is not going to physically come down to answer prayers or use his creation to do that work for him. So I've received many phone calls, um, a lot of support um, from like figures within the Christian music industry, um, within my church, from social media and all sorts. So it's been a phenomenal season for me. And I've had significantly more high days than low days. So yeah, God has truly shown himself to be a comforter um, during this season. Yeah, and that's, I'm really sorry to hear that, by the way. A loss of a parent is difficult enough as it is, and especially when your childhood is, you know, maybe has been littered with all sorts of things with your family and other things. And then suddenly you find yourself in a position where, a loss of a parent is, is difficult is itself. What was your fondest memory of your father? Um, he used to do this thing where uh, when, when he's driving, when we're driving, he drives to the music. So like he would like hit his brake and the car's like jerking with the music. Yeah, that, that was pretty fun. Or like he would like illegally, well, you can't sue him now, he's in heaven. But illegally, yeah, 
he'll put us in his lap and we'll drive in a car park. <laughs> I'm sure my dad's not the only one. That's like <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so those are like two of my fondest memories. And watching wrestling, I was devastated when I found that wrestling was fake. I said, no, it has to be true. I saw the blood. I saw the, I saw the blood. He was bleeding. Yeah, like, yeah, so those three. But one thing that I, I take comfort in is that um, death is the friend of a righteous man going home. You know, death is that glorious transition for a believer from earth to eternity with God. You know, so I feel, um, yes, it's very human to miss the moments and the memories, but we know that, I think Paul says that um, we don't mourn as those who don't have hope. You know, we know that my dad's soul is in heaven and he has no more bills, no mortgage, nothing to worry about. He doesn't have to worry about whether his um, Wi-Fi is strong to, to meet on Zoom. <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about anything. So yeah, definitely a friend of a righteous man going home. Was your dad quite a big influence in your, in your faith journeys growing up then? Um, I, I would probably say my mother was my strongest because I lived, I spent a majority of my life living with my mum and my stepdad. Okay. Um, but my dad like served tirelessly in his church for over 30 years. Like everyone knows if my dad is not at work, he's at church. And just seeing someone that committed um, to the service of God and the service of the body of Christ is definitely an inspirational thing and definitely um, values that I live by already. It's probably just natural, naturally passed down from him to me. How is life as a, a teenager? Because you were already like singing and performing right yeah. like from the age of 11 right so music's always it was music come from your parents or was music being an outside influence um well a bit of both so um i have an artistic family so my mum has a degree well she's got numerous degrees but she has one degree particularly in theater arts so um my sister and i the one just above me she has a degree in performing arts and i kind of followed her and did performing arts as well um when my mum and my stepdad started a church um, naturally the pastor's children are part of the worship team or every department if I'm being totally honest and um, so we our ministry was focused mainly on young people so what do young people like music poetry dance the arts so they created a music group um, within the church um, with my oldest siblings some of the older youth but because I was significantly younger we didn't have to start a younger group um, and then we toured alongside them on the first UK gospel garage compilation in 2000, I believe that was. So um, yeah, so my, I have a very arty family, artsy family, and I guess it definitely has come down from somewhere, but I have a very big ministerial family as well. So my mum's dad is a retired Anglican bishop. My mum and my stepdad are pastors. My dad was a pastor. My eldest sister and her husband are pastors. Then my second sister and her husband are pastors. Then there's my brother. Then there's me. No, there's my brother. Then my other sister, then me. And I'm a deacon in my local church. I brought swag to the leadership. Amen. So, Amen. <laughs> so I've got quite a very musical and ministerial family and background. I was going to say, there has to be something church-wise in your life that kind of causes you to be in leadership somewhere. So uh, would you consider even thinking about, has God ever said to you, do a church run a church or is it god has only spoken to you about music at the moment um god hasn't spoken to me about leading a church yet but i can see myself being heavily involved probably not the weekly pastoring pastor but i definitely can see myself leading a church because i have a big heart 
for showing the relevance between Christianity and 21st century living. And if I can create, or if God can use me, brother, to create a space that um, allows fellowship for this age, um, this climate we're in, rather, I, I, I think I'll be honoured and privileged to do that. Um, I'm also big on um, church engagement, church involvement, and how those kind of things disseminate to the congregation. I'm more or less head of operations for my church, that I, my parents' church that I'm at. And um, it's just the minor things that I like. One prime example, um, the workers, those who serve on teams, get in at nine in the morning um, for church. And I realized some of them will come in a little late, some will be a bit tired. So I just bought a, an urn, a water urn, and bought coffee and tea. And just doing that, people came on time, they started making their teas and coffees, and they functioned a bit better than how they were previously. And just that minor thing of just having tea and coffee available in the morning really can change the trajectory of performance. So just those minor things is making sure church is well done. I'm quite passionate about that. So I think I can also add my expertise of traveling to numerous churches which I've done and performed in, in the past and the present day and age, put that together with Jesus as the center, obviously. I think uh, my team and I will be able to do some justice and damage to the kingdom of hell and help populate and encourage believers and unbelievers alike faith child we're going on a journey we're in the car together you've got your spotify list open yes. uh top five artists that i should be listening to with you what i love the fact is that i love a lot of undiscovered or like musicians so for example um my spotify release radar um gave me a song called tear down every lie by a worship team called Binley, B-I-N-L-E-Y, featuring a guy called Aaron Sledge that I love. So because Aaron Sledge was featured on it, it popped up in my radar. That's brilliant. Then a guy called Limo Blaze, he's an Afrobeat artist in, based in Nigeria. A guy called Jonathan Trailer, he signed to Motown Gospel based in Dallas. Um, who else am I enjoying at the moment? Um, Elevation Worship. Um, they, they have, so the, the song, The Blessing, which you're all familiar with, they just did a gospel revamp of that recently. And once you finish, once you finish listening, to it, go listen to it on YouTube. After the interview, go and listen to it. It is mind blowing. How on earth they could remix their own song and it sounds, well, down to your music taste, whatever, but it sounds better than the original is phenomenal. And then the fifth person, who would I give the fifth listen to ah this good looking guy called faith child he is brilliant you know what i listen to my songs all the time i genuinely make music that i enjoy i do so yeah those are the top five <laughs> uh snacks that we'd be eating uh um snacker jacks the caramel flavor ones I'm trying to be healthy but caramel i don't know jelly strawberry jelly i love strawberry jelly can you eat that in a car? I don't know. Then Tesco's particular, their sweet and salted popcorn. I love that. Yeah, it's got to be. And then squashies. You know the squashies, the drumstick sweet, the squashy ones? Yeah, love them. And then I'll probably be drinking, um, uh, I like iced tea. So the Lipton peach iced tea. And I also love me a bit of um, uh, Lucasade orange and a bit of water as well. Yeah, yeah, so those are the kind of, that's what I will be binging upon. I think we'll, uh, I'll go and get the car. We'll, we'll, we'll do some social distancing driving then. So it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds really, really good. So, uh, but people who have 
influenced you right now who who's your biggest influence on the kind of music scene and maybe even in the in in the faith scene as well or even yeah. both um i'm always inspired by kurt franklin um because he really pushes the envelope um i probably have a career because of kurt franklin because he made um what we would call contemporary contemporary urban christian music in a time where you weren't allowed to make anything other than traditional gospel so if you weren't having like an organ, or if you weren't singing hymns, you were making the devil's music in inverted commas. That's how they would refer to it as. So him, um, I love for King and Country, um, brilliant duo, two brothers. Um, I think they're from Australia, if I'm not mistaken. Brilliant guys. Um, and then I actually like this. I've always been a fan of Kanye West. Because um, sonically, he just really pushes the envelope. So his most recent like Christian gospel stuff, um, I just love his approach to it. I just love his approach to it. So those three particular um, artists are definitely artists that um, have really been kind of like inspiring me during this season. And I'm a very visual person, you know, I'm a visual artist. If only the budget was there to produce what was in my brain, you know, it would work. So when I see artists who do have that budget and able to always visually push the envelope, I'm a big fan of that. So people have influenced you, but you have obviously had a, an impact uh, on other people as well. And I hope the odd email or text or tweet or whatever comes in, uh, Instagram says, you know, Faith Child, you have been, this has been really big in my life. Yeah. Do you have a story that you could tell? Yes, I do. Um, I have two actually. Um, I have a song on my first album and the song is called Just Pose. And it's from a scripture that says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, a lady messaged me saying that she went through a miscarriage. But when she heard that song, she had the strength and confidence to go back to work. Now, that song doesn't say anything about miscarriages in any form. It just literally speaks about you being beautiful and made in God's image and be confident within that. And somehow God used that to touch and encourage her. So that was mind-blowing for me. Um, and then the second time was uh, a friend of mine. His dad was... Um, was ill and he was passing off cancer. And so I went to see him in his last moments in the hospital. And whilst he was there, I was leaving and a lady said, excuse me, are you Faith Child? I said, yes. She said, I heard your song, um, Ricochet on premiere, praise God for premiere, on premiere. It was like an acoustic version you did. And um, it was about, you know, just bouncing back. And um, I was going through some tribunals at work and I just felt like giving up. But when I heard that song on premiere, um, it just gave me the energy and strength just to kind of plough through and we won the tribunal case. And it's funny because at a moment where I was low, because my friend's father's down with cancer, I've been in the hospital to visit him, God used my song, which encouraged somebody else, to encourage me in that moment. You know, so those are two moments I can tell you of. Then you get like the odd message on, on YouTube saying, oh, this song really changed my life. And I'm like... You're, are you just trying to get likes on YouTube or you really, do you really mean that? I don't, I don't know how this, this particular song can change your life. But anyway, to God be the glory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God using you whatever, whatever way he chooses and your music. And with the fact that, you know, you're on Spotify, you're on YouTube, you're on Insta and you, you look amazing, by the way, in your Instagram, your pictures are so hot. They are really, really good. Um, I need to get that waistcoat. But something's the same, right? And that suit that you wear is superb, superb. Now, um, Faye Child, tell me a little bit about that song, Like It, and then maybe introduce it and we'll play it. 
Sure. So I Like It was my first ever official single released back in 2008. And God has done so much with that song. And that song is a celebration of Christian life, saying, I like it. Um, one thing I learned, what we always see is that people tend to glorify the life they love and enjoy in music, whether it's drugs or sex or illicit lifestyles or anything of that nature. And me as a Christian, why should I shy away from this life that I live, which I genuinely love and like? So I thought, hey, let's do it. So I did the song, released it, and to God be the glory, uh, 11 years later, um, God is still using that song. Um, MTV or Timberland, the clothing line, they used it for one of the documentaries on MTV um, in December. And um, I was like, how are they using this song that's 11 years old now, but it's still making waves? So this is Faith Chilling. You're about to hear my single, I Like It. It's Faith Child. And Jar J. What's next? Put your shades on. Kingdom style. And let's go. I prefer this last style better No, I'm changed like too fast for a tenner I've been around the block, I've been around the city block And I know that I'm saying sitting on the rock I've seen a few brothers drop They can't afford to buy diamonds for the soul rocks But I stuck my portion like chips and I stab a light Nah, that belongs to the other boy Give God the praise, put me in a better place I was in many chains, I see better days No fears, no pain, no tears, no drama No need to hide under clothes like pajamas God speaks to so I follow his orders Therefore I'm gonna make it Call me the fifth corner Through the king, my life is frank Cause Christ said me feel like this feels like 